1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's
0: joy in every journey.
1: Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Everything is so dumb, dumb.
1: Um, Can we get you to introduce yourself first?
0: Yeah. Um, My name is Ali Khan. Um, I live in Toronto in a neighborhood called Parkdale. Um, I'm a community organizer. Um, I do a lot of work with tenants and uh, eviction prevention. Um, I'm also a a musician. Uh, I play the piano and the drums and the guitar and play in a couple Musical groups, which are currently on hold, unfortunately.
1: I kind of wonder if you'll just sort of walk us through the story of how you and your um your your fellow uh l- leasees. I don't, yeah, I don't know what term to use, but how how y'all kind of got together and 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 set this thing up. Like, right, we're, right now we're seeing all these kind of distributed rent strikes, and I guess I'd like uh, y'all's story for that.
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about. It. Um, uh, so just, I guess, off the top, I, I should probably press, preface that I'm certainly no expert on uh, on this. Uh, I mean, I have some experience, but I, I don't purport to know, like, uh, the best practices that everyone should follow. I mean, I'm learning as I go, just like anyone else. Um, and these are very unprecedented times. So a they lot sure of us that are used to this work have also had to do a lot of relearning and adjusting our our protocols and stuff to really meet the needs. Um, so yeah, um, I guess, uh, I could start from, yeah, realizing the situation we were in, um, things kind of clicked for me, um, as this was getting to, uh, I guess our part our part of the world and as more people were getting infected here um, and across uh, Turtle Island, um, it's, it started <laughs> really dawning on me the amount of people um, that would not be able to pay their rent because of all of the businesses that were closing and the <laughs> orders that uh, were coming from above, um, closing all non-essential services. Um, And, uh, yeah, people just not wanting to leave their homes and uh, conduct regular activities. So I just figured, you know, this was going to lead to a massive crisis down the road of uh, people having defaulted on their rent during this time and then facing eviction in large numbers. Um, And so my community specifically in Parkdale is it has a large volume of, uh, of newcomers and uh low, low income folks it's a very diverse community um and a lot of people here have high needs um it's a very working class neighborhood um a lot of uh, racialized people from different communities we have a very large tibetan community in fact i think it's the largest in uh, north america um but uh yeah so we're particular particularly vulnerable to this issue so i'm sorry if i'm rambling on or whatever but i just kind of uh that's kind of where I was starting at. Um, I was trying to think, you know, how can we mitigate this thing that's coming down the line, uh, inevitably. So I decided that I had to talk to my neighbors, um, in my building, but I had to figure out a safe way to do it, obviously, because we can't do flyering like we, we usually do where we flyer the buildings and organize lobby meetings and, and have like these interactive, like, uh, processes to get people engaged um
1: so right because you're worried about actually spreading the uh the virus so you can't yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah so there's some there's some information out there that the virus can live on paper for uh, a certain amount of time and so to play it safe like myself and many of the organizers that are around our community We've kind of decided to avoid flyering when at all possible. I mean, like, we still are doing a lot of postering, which is a very integral part of this to make it work. But none of this kind of uh, these smaller flyers that are meant to be distributed and kind of go from hand to hand kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, I, I um, realized that that was a barrier. So I, I, I got a hold of some uh, protective or some PPE, like face masks, and like gloves and stuff like this. And, uh, I went down to my lobby area, which, I mean, it's different. It's going to be different for everybody. I think that's interested in doing something similar, but my lobby is fairly sizable. So like there was enough room for me to, uh, both catch people on the way in and out of the building, but also keep my distance so that no one is, no one is, uh, compromised. Um, other people might have different, layouts for their common spaces so they could use maybe like uh the area outside the building near the front door to catch people on the way in and out where there's more room to keep your safe distance and stuff like that but um yeah that's very key obviously and i was very conscious of of that um and so yeah uh just camping out in the lobby for for uh like hours a day just trying to get some contact with my neighbors um and so, as people are coming and going, uh, what I what I was doing is I would introduce myself right away as some as one of their neighbor, neighbors that lives in the same building. I'd give my unit number. I mean, a lot of my neighbors already recognize me from previous things that we've done in our building, and and uh, and that, and we've kept ties and stuff. But I also have a lot of new neighbors that I haven't met yet until this this bout of organizing. So it's important to kind of break that. Barrier right away, um, so that they're not suspicious that you're kind of trying to, uh, do something nefarious <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so once you've broken that barrier, uh, I just kind of made
1: that pitch. Do you think a lot of people suspect, like, di- did you, did you feel that sort of suspicion from folks when you started approaching people in a lot of cases?
0: See, I'm like, I'm, I'm also involved in, um, a few different mutual aid efforts in the community that are aside from this and kind of overlap with this as well. Um, And so over the phone, I feel like what I've been hearing is a lot of people have been receiving questionable phone calls from uh, um, like scam artists. There's a lot of weird things going around right now. Um, So even when you're calling to offer help and support and stuff, it takes a little while to kind of really develop that trust to. You have to be very clear about who you are, who you work for, um, what you're offering, the fact that it's free, you know, um, that kind of thing. Um, But in terms of organizing my building, I think the hesitation is just it's it's not like a common thing where there's someone sitting in your lobby trying to catch you on the way and trying to organize a rent strike. So I think they're just kind of taken aback by someone stopping them as they're about their daily activities type of thing. Um but like i said like i, I mean i have kept close contact with uh with many of my neighbors, so um a lot of them did recognize me, and the ones that didn't recognize me right away, um I kind of put their mind at ease by saying like listen, you know um I'm your neighbor, I live on x floor and x unit, and I'm just tr- trying to organize our building to to uh fight back against the uh, unjust situation um that our landlords putting us in. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. So I, you give your pitch. You ask. Uh, I, I was asking my neighbors how they feel about the situation, um, what their experiences are like. Are they having trouble? Are they going to have trouble paying April's rent? Um, if so, like what 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 have they thought of to help what, with that?
1: What were you getting from people in terms of? like, their actual level of fear over April and their ability to kind of make shit meet, you know?
0: Yeah, so a lot of it... I mean, I had some pretty good conversations. Um, the The issue is is uh, that I was finding um, is the conversations that were more kind of... Um, I don't want to say wholesome, but, like, uh, I guess more lengthy and engaged um, were coming from and I'm generalizing here, uh, tenants that um, were kind of looking at this as kind of uh, a possibility to, to take a principled stand. And while they may be struggling financially, um, uh, to some extent, uh, they would be able to kind of weather this storm, at least for for the, the short term. Um, and I found that a lot of the tenants I spoke to where the conversations weren't as long and weren't um, um, uh, like were kind of more um, from tenants that may have had language barriers um, and have are, are speaking English as a second language. Um, so it was more kind of me trying to really simplify what I was trying to say and make them understand um what we're trying to organize here so that I'm sure that we're on the same page. And uh, the, the responses I got from them um, were essentially like a confirmation that, uh, yes, people are in fact suffering. Many of the the people that weren't um, able to express themselves as fluently made it, still made it very clear that they were in a position, a very vulnerable position, where they weren't going to be able to pay rent next month. So... Um, it's it's tricky when you're because the point I'm essentially trying to make is oftentimes the most vulnerable people are less able the, the least able to engage with the process of organizing because they've got so you know it's tough to find that balance between trying to get them to engage and keeping them in the loop and uh, and getting consent from them to do things um, but also respecting their space and understanding that they have. Um, they have other pressing matters in a completely different situation than you do, right? So, I don't know. Um, I don't know if that kind of answers
1: yeah the question
0: a little bit. It, essentially, what I'm saying is, like, a lot of people are struggling. Like, I think everyone is struggling. Um, But my, my building particularly, just because of the speed at which our area is being gentrified, my building particularly, and a, a lot of other buildings in Parkdale are very stratified. So you have people that have just Come in recently that are paying three times the amount of rent as someone that's been here for you know 10 15 years um and they have identical units
1: so you you get a number of your your fellow uh uh your neighbors to agree that like this is not an acceptable situation we 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 want to change this and uh like what are those what are those first meetings like for for y'all as you like especially since you can't like be Sort of all together in the same space, like how are you how are you kind of bridging that gap? um because you there's like a lot of it's kind of a, a risky thing to do because if you wind up you know on your own without actually having the support of your neighbors, you could just wind up getting kicked out of your place like I, I feel like there's a level of risk here um and it's it's got to be kind of a difficult thing to to get everyone on the same page when you can't physically be in the same space.
0: Yeah, of course um i I agree there's a lot of risks here and they need to be considered uh responsibly um so like i said there's there there are people coming from very different places in my building specifically and so part of making sure everyone's protected is to bring them all into this same conversation um so what i was trying to make clear in these initial conversations in the lobby is that we're organizing we're organizing this rent strike not only out of necessity, but also out of solidarity with those who who will not be able to pay rent. Um so whether you cannot pay rent or whether you can pay rent, um if you can pay rent, it's still important to withhold your rent voluntarily um in support of those that don't have that choice. Um so Kind of once everyone's on the same page of like, you know, somewhere in between those two things, like they're they're thinking, okay, well maybe I shouldn't be paying my rent because I need to keep a, an emergency reserve just in case something comes up or whatever. Um, and people that just literally don't have the money to pay rent, um, as everyone's on the same page that regardless of your situation, we need to all together make this principled decision. So once you've made that pitch uh, in the lobby and you of got them thinking on it thinking about it you make it clear that they don't need to make a decision that you're just trying to include them in a conversation um and that um what you're trying to do is collect people's contact information so that the building can carry on this conversation safely online and over the phone um so that was essentially the goal of these lobby uh lobby contacts or first discussions is to get get a database of contacts for me i, I was just updating my my list that i had from from previous organizing um but yeah i got a lot of a lot of new contacts and then you bring it online so we started uh like an email discussion group um and um what what i did uh after getting getting everyone's contacts together on a spreadsheet is uh my partner and I, we drafted up a letter to the landlord based on the conversations we had with people uh, in the lobby and where people were at. Um, And uh, we sent it out to the group that we had compiled. Um, So it was like just like a draft. um, And then we encouraged feedback, any changes, things that people might feel uncomfortable with, uh, if people are uncomfortable with the tone or the demands or, or anything about the letter, then they give feedback over a period of time. Um, so this first email, you, you, you attach the draft of the letter. There's also some other things you can do um, to kind of get people on board, which is to assure them that you know um, that the legal rights of tenants as they pertain to this situation, um, you can go over some of the things um, that they can expect uh, from the landlord, um, such as, well, I live in Ontario. So, what we do here, or what landlords do here when a tenant doesn't pay rent, is they issue something called an N4 notice, which is a notice of non payment. So, in your email to your group of tenants, you can Develop trust with them by showing that you've done your homework and say, hey, this is what to expect from the landlord going forward. These are your legal rights. These are the connections we have to legal representation. Like in Parkdale, we have the Parkdale Community community Legal Services that has done a great job informing tenants in our community about our legal rights and even defending us at the Landlord Tenant Board. I think that's that's a, a very important thing to have. Um, and so, yeah, so you send an email out, um, try and be as encouraging as po- and positive as possible, while at the same time being very clear about the risks. So, in our case, we're demanding that all rent be waived for the period of social distancing from our landlord. However, um, we may, we may not succeed in in uh, achieving that demand. So we it's important that we're very clear from the start that if you withhold your rent during this time, we're not guaranteeing that you'll never have to repay it in the future. The, the point of us doing this action is to make sure that that doesn't happen and to do everything we can to make sure that people don't owe this rent um, in arrears uh, over a long period of time, because that's essentially like a death sentence. You, you yeah. Sending people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Folks who are living on the margins can't afford having rent accrue without actually making money.
0: Exactly, people aren't going to be getting back pay for this period in their employment, and there are all these un, like, I mean, a lot of people are saying that um, those who have been receiving social assistance uh, before this crisis shouldn't even be considering any tenant actions because they've already have they already have all their things paid for, so their any employment wouldn't be affected or whatever. But that's simply not the case. There's a uh, I have a few neighbors that have. Made the decision to stop payment, um, and and reasonably so because there's a lot of expenses that come up um, for for all all types of people in all different situations. Like when you close the schools, you have certain childcare and food expenses that were covered by certain programs that you you may have to pay out of pocket now. Like all these all these hidden expenses, right? So just supplementing the income that people would have been making during this time is often not enough for people, um, because they're spending more than they would have, even if they were working. Um, so yeah. Um, so you go, you go over the risks and you say, yeah, you know, um, these are the risks. However, um, we're building, we're Building a critical mass in our building so that we can all look out for each other and we can all protect each other.
1: And did you find a lot of people? Uh, did you have difficulty convincing people to sort of live with those risks? You know, were there folks who are like, "Well, then, like, if I might get screwed over, I don't want to. I don't want to get involved with this." Like, was it hard to kind of get people to take a little bit of a gamble on their neighbors?
0: Um, well, yeah, some people. I mean. So <laughs> some of my neighbors were uh, um, actually straight up uh, like a bit antagonistic at first, um, uh, and and didn't really kind of because I, I I guess different strokes for different folks, right? Like you 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 pr- you present a rent strike, and right away it's like, oh, this is uh, a lawbreaker that's trying to pull me in and just agitate and this kind of thing or whatever. But then you know, they come back after doing their days, activities, and they see you still sitting there, you know, four or five hours later. Um, and, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll realize, okay, well, you know, this guy is whatever, like, he just wants to have a conversation. And then you start, the, the person might start up a conversation with you. So it's like, you kind of, there are different things you can do or whatever, but persist, like, if you're persistent, I think, your neighbors eventually see that you're not trying to trick them into doing anything. You're not trying to put them in a, in a precarious position. Um, you know, as long as you're acting in good faith, I think that your neighbors eventually see that it's, it's so important to keep the lines of communication open. I'm not used to bombarding people with emails and stuff, right? Like my, my organizing, I am used to talking to people face to face and developing a rapport with them. Um, so, yeah, it is tricky to send out a mass email saying, you know, like, hello, neighbors, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, um, I think over time, more and more people start responding to you. And you, if you've collected people's phone numbers as well, you can do rounds of phone calls <laughs> to those who don't respond to you. Um, because oftentimes people don't feel comfortable um, typing out their response. What we were doing is... Uh, With the phone calls, we'd ask them if if they're comfortable with us CCing them or they prefer to remain bcc'd um, and trying to encourage people to kind of open up their email address so that when they respond, they're responding to a group. And as that group gets bigger, it becomes more of a democratic process as opposed to kind of me just saying, like, this is the update, folks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. So... I think that's kind of the key thing is um trying to trying to involve people as much as possible, even though because people are isolated in their homes and stuff and they're feeling closed off and whatnot. And even if it's just a quick phone call to chat about something unrelated, like I think it goes a long way
1: during these yeah, days. Yeah. It kind of builds a sense of solidarity. Um do you want to tell us about the reaction y'all got when you presented your demands? What happened
0: was Um, So we had been kind of organizing a little bit and then there had been murmurs about rent strikes and stuff like this. And a lot of landlords, they preemptively sent communications to their tenants um, because they saw this kind of coming. And so before we even delivered the letter to our landlord, we got uh, we got a letter from them kind of detailing what they what their proposed help was and like, quote unquote, help. Um, (laughs) and so, (laughs) and what was it, what was it? So what they had done, um, is, uh, they used the word. So they said, they said that they were freezing the rent. Um, and then in that same point, in that same sentence, they explained that what they meant by freezing was that the rent would stay at the amount that was, that the tenant paid in March. Um, so April's <laughs> rent would, would stay at the amount that, okay? Yeah, So yeah. I know, yeah. So they're trying to be cute. Sneaky, um, man, sneaky and trying, bastards, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but I mean, obviously, like, I, I don't think they really thought it through. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were trying to make it seem like they were offering more help than uh, than what they were actually. What they were actually doing is committing to not increase the rent for, for the time being. Um, And in Ontario, I don't know what the laws are elsewhere, but you can only increase the rent in rent controlled units uh, once a year. And even then, you can only increase it by the guideline amount, which is like the rate of inflation. And that hovers around like 2% every year. And if you want to increase it higher than whatever the guideline is for that year, you have to apply for what's called an above guideline increase. So what they were essentially offering is for those people whose anniversary it was on April 1st or whatever that were due to get a rent increase, um, they would not get their whatever two point I think it's two point two percent increase this year, but only yeah, for those people. Yeah. So it's like they're all offering this paltry amount and only for this select group of tenants that happen to fall in this period, and they're passing it off as a rent freeze and they're using that language. Um, so needless to say, tenants from not only my building but other buildings under the same um, landlord uh approached me over the next few days or week or whatever thinking that they didn't owe rent for april (laughs) and if i approached people saying that you know we're trying to organize a rent strike what do you think a lot of people and unfortunately a lot of people who um may speak english as a second language or have language barriers they were the ones that were coming to me and saying what do you mean a rent strike they're not charging rent for april (laughs) so um, it was tricky to yeah, both yeah. explain to them that no, the rent is still due, but we're also organizing to withhold
1: rent. Do you think that your landlord kind of going that route, trying to sneakily use the term rent freeze, like helped in the end? Like, because did it get people like already expecting, okay, I don't have to pay rent. And then when they realized they did, they were kind of already on board with, with striking because that's what they'd gotten or did you? Yeah, I'm wondering if you noticed that. Well,
0: Okay. So my landlord, um, yeah. is, they, they own a lot of buildings across the country and in Toronto and even in Parkdale. So I think they own almost 20 buildings or something like that in Parkdale or run mm-hmm. them or both. Right. Um, they're a massive company. So like there's a, there is, like from my perspective, or if I were, you know, just spitball, spitballing or whatever, I would say that there's a good chunk or a good percentage of their tenants that obviously I wasn't able to reach out to that just didn't pay their rent because they didn't think that it was owed because of right, the right. weird language of the letter that Metcap sent out uh, or the landlord. Um, but those that I did reach... Um, when I explained to them what was actually being offered, and this wasn't the only thing that was being offered, there was another point underneath it that was like, "Oh, we're if you choose to pay online, we're going to waive the fee, the seven-dollar filing fee that we usually charge for online payments of rent," and so that was their next line of help type of thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, thanks for not charging me to pay you rent. <laughs> you yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, um, so that was another. So w- once I broke that down for the people that did approach me and the people that seemed confused and stuff, they, they realized how much of an insult that was. So to answer your question, yes, the, these, the, the people that really understood after I, I explained it to them and I, I sent out uh, like a group email to my building as well, going over the letter piece by piece saying, you know, you may have all received this letter. I'd like to just break this down, unpack what, what Metcalf's actually offering here and blah, blah, blah. Once they realized how much of an insult it is um, and how out of touch um, the letter was or the offer was, then yes, they, uh, a lot of people were more prone. And I imagine that was the was the difference maker for a lot of people that were on the fence about whether or not to go on strike. Um, just realizing that the landlord actually wasn't operating in good faith.
1: And uh, how many folks did you eventually get on board with this? Like, what uh, what did this sort of top out at? And where are you now? Yeah,
0: well... Okay, so like about my or about our specific numbers, I'd rather not get into that right now because they're it's still early and we're still kind of growing. And um, like once the once we start getting responses from the landlords and and like N4 eviction notices and stuff like that, I'll have a better grasp on more specific more specific things like but what I could say is for for your your listeners um that to, like you need to like if there's a lot of talk about you know what is a what is a critical mass in a building what is enough yeah, people yeah um and i take that very seriously i i don't think that it's it's uh responsible to just kind of you know, do this lightly without really covering all your bases. So maybe I could talk a little bit about what I think a critical mass should be and what it should sure, look like.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because so, um, yeah. it depends on a few different things, right? Like one thing off the bat, though, is that I would say that you definitely don't need 100% of your building to, to have a successful rent strike. Um, we didn't have that in uh, when we did this last time in 2017. We, we spread the rent strike to several buildings around uh, – Around the neighborhood, against this particular landlord, because of, like I was saying earlier, above guideline increases that we felt were unfair. They were legal, but unfair, and uh, coupled with neglect in the units, uh, the repairs that were required in the units, and just people living in squalor and not getting uh, what they were owed. Um, and we didn't have we didn't have hundred percent of each building, um, uh, but we did have a critical mass. And what I mean by that is we had enough people for the the accumulated amount of withheld rent we had enough people for that to sting to actually make a dent in um in the landlord's finances enough to cause or to evoke a response from the landlord and then the second thing is that um and i would say even more important is is if we had we had enough people involved so that everyone was protected because we could trust that we had a base of people to defend one another when it came down to it um so like different factors in in building a critical mass, um, it, it depends on a few different things. So like uh the size of your building. Um a lot of people they'll they live in smaller buildings where there's like uh you know maybe four or five units. And in that case, it might be more important to get a larger percentage of people just because there's so few people living in the building. Um whereas in larger buildings, you know, you can get a smaller percentage of people, but since the building is so large, the, the accumulated amount of rent withheld is a huge chunk of money. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then this, another factor is the amount of rent even charged, you know, like different cities will have different amounts of rent and different, different situations between the landlords and the tenants and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. So that's another thing to, thing to consider. And then the third thing I think would be also the type of landlord. So people that have like, uh, that are renting a basement apartment, for instance, um, and their li- landlord lives in- upstairs, and, and that kind of thing. They they would have a different situation uh, than myself, who's living in a large building that has this big corporate landlord um, that manages several properties and stuff. Right.
1: Well, yeah. This is this has been really great. Is there anything else you wanted to to get to before we we roll out here? Anything else you wanted to talk about?
0: Just that uh, this is an ongoing thing. Um, even after tenants withhold uh, the rent and stuff, it's so important to keep communication to make sure that, you know, any mutual aid keeps happening. It's important to encourage tenants that chose to pay rent um, to reach out to you if they need help. And that you know, there's no there's no division amongst neighbors, regardless of whether or not they're part of the organizing, they need to be included um, and not feel left out. Um, and that also, we're we're organizing for May. We don't see this crisis ending in two weeks, like some people are saying. Um, we're trying to get more people on board for May because, like I said before, this isn't a decision for a lot of people. the the, the decision to rent strike um, is reserved for those who have the luxury of that decision. Many people, yeah, um, yeah. you know what I mean. So it's like, it, it's not a, it's not a question of like, the, I think. Yeah, it, from at least from my perspective, I feel it's more of an obligation um, because uh, yeah, our neighbors needs our our neighbors need us, and if we're not there for them, I don't know. If, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, and I'm sorry. This <laughs> kind of adds to the context of the whole thing, but there was an eviction freeze in Ontario um, and in in a lot of different cities, um, uh, both in Canada and the U.S. And so that was kind of passed off as what they're doing to help renters like, Oh, we froze evictions. So, you know, they're covered. Renters are covered type of thing. But once this eviction freeze gets lifted, yeah. Um, it's not gonna, it's not going to look good. So I'm prepared to like stand behind my neighbors. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, if we can organize to make this bigger for May 1st, which is underway, then that's what we should be doing right now. And while making sure that we're all, uh, we're all protecting each other and, and uh, redistributing our resources effectively.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important. And uh, I thank you for, um, for sharing that with us. I think um, in general, I, I hope more people start thinking this way, um, the way you've been thinking uh, in terms of like, I have to organize my neighbors and, and myself to sort of not just like uh it's not just about um uh getting everyone out of rent it's about like protecting people from falling into a hole right like that's that's what we're talking about here is um giving people a chance at a future like a lot of folks living on the edge having an extra two three grand that they have to pay or whatever in rent fees like that's if we let that happen, it's just going to suck those people down into a fucking abyss. Like there's no way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: This is this is an, uh, another thing. Actually, I forgot. I kind of forgot to mention was like uh, d- just in preparing your neighbors for what to expect from the landlord. Um, something that's really important to mention to your neighbors is that the, the a tactic that every landlord uses during collective actions like this is to try and approach tenants individually to create repayment schemes yeah um and so that's something that is very important to mention um that like if these repayment schemes become you know widespread and stuff like this if what happens is is when these uh, when this eviction freeze gets lifted all these repayment schemes are are legally binding and the way that the process has been changed recently in ontario it's become more of a streamlined process that if any of these repayment schemes are broken uh, between landlords and tenants, they can just be evicted automatically without having to go back to the landlord tenant board. So for me, the long game seems to be that the landlords are expecting to get away with this massive displacement of working class people gradually instead of all at once in order to avoid the media storm. And the way they're going to do this is by signing or to, by pressuring tenants to individually sign these repayment plans so that when they default, you know, two, three, four months after this is all over, you know, in a kind of staggered kind of way, it would be it will be more difficult for their neighbors and their community to rise up and defend them because they're not all being evicted at once.
1: That's a really good point. And yeah. there
0: and re- remember that the people that people that are saying that oh you know you're you're doom and gloom landlords aren't going to just massively displace thousands of people at, whether they do it all at once or over a long period of time they don't want to displace in this this kind of thing people need to remember that there are billions of dollars at stake here like i said before the people that they're displacing are paying extremely low rents like i'm talking a third of the amount of what landlords will charge once they're out of their units. So landlords are looking at tripling their money and in some case quadrupling their money. And all they need to do is get rid of these people uh, and evict them from their homes. So they're they're doing everything they possibly can for their shareholders in the end. And it's their fiduciary uh, responsibility. So they're scheming right now and so are we. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. lot, you know?
1: That's a good point, too, that they have a fiduciary responsibility to to a group of people who are not the folks actually living in the property. Um, and you have a responsibility, a moral one, to your neighbors. Um, and you know, I guess we're going to see which of those wins out in the end.
0: Mm-hmm. And landlords don't follow the laws, especially, you know, like uh, a lot of times people, anytime we have a fight against the landlord, the media and the politicians and everybody brings up this. This Cinderella story of the, you know, the grandmother who rents out her basement apartment just trying to get by and this kind of thing. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. That's an extremely, extremely small percentage of the market. Most of the market is being taken up by these massive corporate landlords that do all sorts of illegal, shady tactics and pick on people who aren't able to defend themselves, like those in my community, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's not even like they're following the rules. So when people say, oh, look at these outlaw outlaws withholding their rent. This is literally like the last straw because I've witnessed a lot of really violent situations that are frankly extremely illegal and immoral um, conducted by landlords of all different kinds, big and small. Um, And it's not pretty. And they get away with it because the law is on their side. um, And even when the law is not on their side, it's not enforced.
1: I think that's a great note. To roll out on. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank really you. It was, it was a
0: huge pleasure. I really yeah, appreciate the
1: yeah. opportunity
0: for sure. Great. I tried. Yes, Daniel. Lovely.
1: Worst year ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well...